This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. Today, Clark can't assure he is on the right track of a tie-in between a bigoted plot and a cruel murder, little realizing that the chief villain has marked him as the next victim. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. You know, uh, somebody told me the other day that collecting comic buttons in that new series from Packages of Kellogg's Pep is just like an exciting treasure hunt. Sure, because you never know just which button you're going to find in the package. Maybe a brand new one that you don't have yet, like the uh, Little Moose or, or Spud or Superman himself. Or maybe it'll be a duplicate, and that's even more fun because then you can swap with one of your friends. And boy, do you feel like strutting around when you wear your collection of Pep comic buttons pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. They are true-to-life pictures, you know, done up in bright red, blue, and yellow, and black on a gleaming white background. Mighty snappy-looking, so keep going, gang. Remind Mom to get you plenty of Kellogg's Pep and look for your comic button inside every package you open. That's right. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy these comic buttons anywhere, but you get a prize in every package of Pep. A prize in good eating, too, because these good whole wheat flakes are loaded with catchy sunshine flavor. A comeback for more flavor that teases you to eat lots. And that makes Mom glad because Pep is good for you, too. So ask her to get P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Now, the adventures of Superman. The Knights of the White Carnation, a secret organization of metropolis businessmen led by Vincent Kirby, has embarked on a vicious campaign of racial and religious hatred. As his first move, Kirby announced an attempt to break up the Metropolis High School basketball team because four of its star players are of foreign ancestry. Then, when Charles Canfield, a prominent industrialist, objected to prejudice of that kind and threatened to expose Kirby and his friends, Canfield was mysteriously stabbed and killed. Yesterday, as you recall, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen attended the opening game of the state championship tourney at the Armory, where Metropolis High was scheduled to play Cedar Falls. But to everyone's amazement, when the Metropolis team took the court, four of its star players were missing. And the coach made an announcement to the effect that they had been suspended for having dealt with professional gamblers. 
As we continue now, the huge crowd is on its feet, stamping in rhythm on the board seats, shouting angry demands for the return of the four suspended players. Jimmy Olsen, clutching a cock pants on, screams above the din to make himself heard. It's a lie, Mr. Ken. It's a dirty, rotten lie. Take it easy, Jim. But I know those fellas. I know every one of them. They wouldn't have anything to do with gamblers if it killed them. Coach is trying to quiet them down. That chance he's got. Well, this crowd is really angry. I don't blame them. Metropolis hasn't had a championship basketball team in ten years. Now that we've got one, look what happens. I'm going down to find out about this. Wait a minute, Jim. Down where? Down in the court. I want to talk to the coach. There's something wrong. Oh, wait, Jim. You'll never get through that crowd. I'll, get... I'll go with you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like the looks of this. Angry crowds can get out of hand before you know it. People are hurt. Could be. I've seen it happen. You know where you're going? Yeah, we've got to go under the grandstand to get to the court. I think it's this way. Jim, wait. What's the matter? Something's wrong. What? Quick, stop. What is it, Mr. Get to a phone quickly, Jim. Call the police emergency squad. But I... Don't ask questions. Hurry, Jim. Okay, but... Hurry, it's a matter of life and death. Got to get rid of him somehow. One of the steel girders supporting the grandstand is beginning to bend and crack from that stamping. Off with his clothes. This is a job for Superman. Leaping up into the air, Clark Kent, now miraculously transformed into the broad-shouldered figure of Superman, straddles the weakened steel girder supporting the grandstand, embraces the center of it in hands that grip the cold metal as though it were held in the jaws of a vice. Straining every muscle in his powerful body, the veins in his neck standing out like whip cords, he literally supports the entire grandstand as it sways under the weight of thousands of screaming, stamping human beings, none of whom are aware of the danger they are in. This girder snaps, they're doomed. I've got to hold it until the police arrive and quiet them down. I've got to. Suddenly off in the distance, Superman hears the eerie wail of police car sirens drawing closer and closer. In a matter of moments, the doors of the huge armory are thrown open, and squads of emergency police swarm in. Soon the mob is quieted. An announcement is made that the game has been called off, and under police direction, the crowd files out. Not until then does Superman release the weakened girder and drop to the concrete floor beneath the grandstand. Five minutes later, now somewhat recovered from the terrific strain, he hears Jimmy Olsen's voice calling to him. Back in the kids' clothes in a hurry. Mr. Kent, where are you? Over here, Jim. Under the grandstand. Oh, I was wondering whether you'd still be here. Oh, I've been here all the time. Say, so what happened to you? What? Oh, golly, you look like someone put you through a ringer. Do I? Well, I guess I was worried for a while. That steel girder was pretty weak. What steel girder? That one up there supporting the grandstand. That's why I told you to get the police to, to clear the crowd out. Well, we've been listeners. We'd better record it. I will. Did you find the coach? No, but I talked with Jack Wilson. He's the team captain. Oh. The only one of the regulars left on the team. Uh-huh. He said he has something to tell me. He's getting dressed now. We'll meet him outside and take him back to the office. Okay. There's a story behind all this, Mr. Camden. I've got a hunch it's a good one. Come on. Well, there isn't much to tell, Jim. We were all sitting around the dressing room waiting for our chance to warm up on the court when Coach Reed came in. He looked kind of white and scared. He pointed to Tony and Cass and Kaplan and Mike Kelly, and he said, You four aren't playing tonight. You can get dressed and go home. No explanation, Jack? No, sir. And when Tony asked how come, he said he couldn't discuss it. They get dressed and beat it. Those poor guys must have gone nuts. Oh, they couldn't say anything. They were like they were struck dumb. So I said something. I said I wasn't going to play either. Good boy. Then the coach took me aside and said I had to play for the sake of the team. 
told me he got orders from the principal to throw the fellows off the team. From Mr. Raiden? Yeah. You mean Mr. Raiden told the coach to bounce those four off the team? No, it wasn't really Mr. Raiden. He got orders from somebody else. A man named Mortimer. Well, who's he? I know, Jim. Who is he? Henry Mortimer, chairman of the school board. Well, what's he got to do with the basketball team? That's what I want to know, Jim. And I'm going to find out tonight. time of the night, Mr. Mortimer, but as chairman of the school board, you should be able to answer a few questions and uh, perhaps issue a statement. I have nothing to say at this time, Mr. Kent. If you wish to interview me, I suggest you call my office in the morning and arrange an appointment with my secretary. Oh, so that's how it is. Yes, Mr. Kent, that's how it is. Now, if you'll excuse me... Just a minute. You were the one who issued the order suspending Rizzuti, Kaplan, Pulaski, and Kelly from the Metropolis High School basketball team, right? I informed the principal of the school that the young men in question were to be temporarily forbidden to play. Why? Because of evidence that they were in collusion with professional gamblers. Where's the evidence? I want to see it. I'm sorry, Mr. Kent, but you can't see it. Because it doesn't exist? How dare you? If you don't leave at once, I'll call the police. Oh, I'll leave. I'll leave, but before I do, let me tell you something. You were directly responsible for making a public statement to the effect that four high school students were involved with gamblers. You as much as branded them as crooks. You informed the thousands of people who were at the armory tonight and the millions more who will read about it in the papers that those four boys are dishonest and not to be trusted. I did no such thing. There are laws against slander, Mr. Mortimer, particularly criminal slander. People have gone to jail for what you've done. That's not the worst of it. You may have heard that last night a man named Charles Canfield was stabbed and killed on the street outside his house. I have a faint suspicion that there's a connection between his death and the dismissal of the four basketball players. I don't know what you're talking about. Perhaps not, but let me warn you. I think you're getting yourself mixed up in something dangerous. You may be the next one to end up with a knife in your back. Pointing an accusing finger at the chairman of the Metropolis School Board, Clark Kent watches the nervous, prissy little man turn ghastly white. Frightened by Clark Kent, who warned him that he might end up with a knife in his back. Henry Mortimer, chairman of the Metropolis School Board, lost no time in contacting Vincent Kirby, the man who instructed him to suspend the four high school basketball players. As we continue now, it is almost midnight. Kirby has just ushered Mortimer into the study of his sumptuous townhouse. He closes the door behind him. All right, now. What's so important that made you think it necessary to get me out of bed in the middle of the night? A man named Kent came to see me. He's a newspaper reporter. The Daily Planet? Yes, he, he said I, I was guilty of criminal slander in accusing those poor boys of dealing with gamblers. And you believed him? Well, that wasn't all. He said I, that I was getting mixed up in something dangerous. And he warned me that I might end up with a knife in my back like, like Charles Canfield. What? What's that? He said... Well, never mind. I heard you. Mr. Kirby, you know I didn't want to do it. You know I didn't agree with you when you said those boys were foreigners. But you forced me to do it. You said I'd lose my appointment if I didn't, and now... And now you're getting cold feet, is that it? I don't want to get mixed up in anything. You don't want to die with a knife in your back. Please don't say things like that. I should have known better than to get mixed up with a chicken heart like you. Please, Mr. Stop Kirby. whining. You're perfectly safe. Nothing's going to happen to you. Tomorrow you can make another announcement. Put the four dirty little foreigners back in the team. And now I'll handle this myself in my own way. And in case Mr. Clark Kent calls on you again... You might tell him that he won't look very pretty with a knife in his back either. With his steel gray eyes slitted and his mouth drawn in a hard, thin line, Vincent Kirby, cold-blooded leader of the Knights of the White Carnation, creators of hatred and intolerance, takes matters into his own hands. Kirby has won a challenge at Clark Kent, who, so far as he knows, is a mild-mannered reporter. But unknowingly, his challenge has been made to Superman. And that means he's in for plenty of action. Action is the keynote of this exciting story from now on, gang. So don't miss a single minute of it. 
Whatever you do, don't forget to be with us again on Monday when the Man of Steel begins his relentless campaign to expose the vicious knights of the White Carnation. Be sure to tune in again Monday. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. All surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pet. P-E-P Pet. Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Clark Kent learns that although four boys on the Metropolis High basketball team have been cleared of all bribery charges, they are now threatened by a new danger. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, you don't want to miss out on any fun, do you? Well, you better join up with the other kids who are collecting that exciting new series of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. Because you don't want to be out in the cold when the fellows and girls compare notes and tell how many different pep comic buttons they've collected so far and swap their duplicates. And say you wouldn't want to miss wearing those nifty-looking buttons on your jacket or your dress or cap because they really are nifty, bright-colored and flashy, with the pictures of your funny paper favorite standing out clear and sharp as anything. Old friends like uh, Tess Trueheart and, and Beezy and Superman himself. Now, there were 18 new and different buttons in this new series, so you better hop to it. Ask Mom to get you plenty of Kellogg's Pep. That's the only way you can get these Pep comic buttons, you know. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But there's a prize in every package of Kellogg's Pep. And say, there's a load of good eating, too. A super delicious dish for breakfast, because these golden toasted whole wheat flakes are full of catchy sunshine flavor. Crisp and fresh as can be. 
So ask Mom for P-E-P, the Sunshine Cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now the adventures of Superman. Calling themselves the Knights of the White Carnation, a group of race haters determined to break up the Metropolis High School basketball team because of their intolerance for four of the star players who are of foreign ancestry. Their first act was to arrange for the murder of a prominent businessman who had threatened to expose them. Then Vincent Kirby, leader of the hate group, persuaded the chairman of the school board, a man who owed his position to Kirby's influence, to bar the four Metropolis stars on a charge that they were dealing with professional gamblers. Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman, threw the weight of the Daily Planet behind his demand that Mr. Mortimer, the school board chairman, either submit evidence against the boys or withdraw his charges. Frightened, Mortimer went to Kirby, who told him to reinstate the boys, saying they would be taken care of in another way. As we continue late the following afternoon, we find cub reporter Jimmy Olsen in Kent's office at the Daily Planet. Listen. Any word from Mortimer yet, Mr. Kent? No, not yet, Jim. Gee whiz, the game with Cedar Falls goes on tonight. If Rizzuti, Kaplan, Pulaski, and Kelly can't play, we'll get skunk. I know, but... That'll be awful. This is the opening game for the state championship. Look, Jim, there's something far more important than a game involved. It's that those four boys are accused of conspiring to throw a game. That's a criminal offense in this state. Jeepers, you mean they may go to jail? They'll prove guilty, they will. But they're not guilty. I know them. They're swell guys. I know, Jim. You heard what Coach Reed said, too. Yes, but And Mr. Raiden, the principal of Metropolis High... He doesn't believe it either. Neither do I. I tell you, somebody's trying to frame him, that's why. That may very well be, Jim. But Mr. Mortimer, chairman of the school board, said he has evidence that the boys were in the pay of gamblers. Oh, yeah? Well, where is his evidence? Why doesn't he come up with it? Take it easy. Mr. Mortimer promised to complete his investigation today. Either produce the evidence or withdraw the charges against the boys by 6 o'clock. So you just... It's almost 6 now. Ten minutes off. All right, now relax. Mortimer will issue a statement one way or the other. You can depend on that. Well, I can't see what's holding him up. The game starts at 8.30, and without Tony and Kaz... Hey, Jim, get a hold of this. Huh? What, Beanie? This flash just came over the city wires. Here, read it for yourself. What's up, Beanie? Oh, hello, Mr. Kent. I didn't notice you. <laughs> That's all right. It's all excitement about. Sleeping lizards. Ain't that something, Jim? Listen to this, Mr. Kent. What? Henry Mortimer, chairman of the school board, announced today that following a complete investigation of bribery charges against four Metropolis High School basketball stars, he has found the evidence inconclusive and is immediately reinstating the four athletes. Hey, that's wonderful, Jim. Oh, yeah. no. Now we can't lose tonight. You said it. Boy, am I happy. Good news, all right. <laughs> hey, you better get that flash to the city desk right away, Beanie. I'm on my way. See you. You bet. Well, there you are, Jim. Yeah. But I'll bet Mortimer wouldn't have worked so fast if you hadn't put the heat on him, Mr. Kent. Oh, I don't know. But I do think he should have made a more careful investigation before he suspended the boys, though. Oh, he sure should have. Wait. Just a moment, Jim. That's my phone. Hello. Jim Olson? Yes, he's right here. Just a moment, please. For me? Uh-huh. Somebody who sounds excited. Oh. Hello, Jim Olson. Oh. oh, yes, Mr. Reed. Listen, we just heard about Mr. Mortimer clearing... What? You have? Oh, I see. Oh, sure I can. You bet. I'll be right over, and I'll bring Mr. Ken along. Right, right away. So long. It's all excitement, Jim. That was Mr. Reed. You know, Metropolis High Coach. Yes? He said something just happened. What? A terrific story. He wants me to come right over to his house and to bring you along. Oh, so... What are we waiting for? Let's go. Why is your face all cut and bruised, Mr. Reed? You look like you were in a fight. Well, I, I was, Jim. You were? Well, who with? Why didn't you... Hold it, Jim. Hold it. Mr. Reed asked us out here to listen to a story, not to ask questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I've got a story, all right, Mr. Kent. A terrific story. Go right ahead. Spill it. We're all ears. Yeah, shoot. All right. 
Earlier this evening, I was just sitting down to supper when the bell rang. I went to the door and a man was standing there, a, a tall, wiry fellow with a sallow face and sharp, glittering little eyes. As soon as I opened the door, he stepped in. Coach of the Metropolis High Basketball Team, ain't you? Yes, who are you? Just call me Joe. All right, Joe. What are you see me about? About the game tonight. Oh, what about it? Let's, uh, let's close the door. That's better. Now, I just heard those four kids, the ones who were suspended last night, got a clean bill of health. Yes, that's right. What about it? Just this. I don't want those boys to play tonight. What's that? You heard me. Now, it's worth a thousand bucks to me to keep those boys from playing. Now, look here, Joe, or whatever your name wait is. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Don't tell me you can't use a thousand bucks because I know you get peanuts for teaching high school and coaching basketball. I'll admit the teaching profession isn't very well paid, but I don't Agreed. see what... Don't be a chump. With Velasquez, Kaplan, Rizzuti, and Kelly in the lineup tonight, the suckers figure Metropolis will take Cedar Falls like falling off a log, see? What suckers? The betters. The betters. They're breaking their necks for a chance to bet three to one Metropolis. Oh. And I'm taking those bets, see? So you can make yourself a thousand bucks by making sure Cedar Falls win. So that's it, huh? Yeah. Simple, ain't it? All you gotta do to keep those four kids out of the game is to say you're not satisfied their reputations are all clean, or they're too jittery after what just happened to play good. Get it? Yes. Yes, I get it, all right. Well, what do you say? Beat it. Now, wait a minute. You heard me. The door's open, so get out before I throw you out. Don't be stupid. Get out, I've said, before I lose my temper. I happen to like athletics, but I don't like crooked gamblers who try to dirty it up. Okay, stupid. If you don't want to play ball with me, I'll have to really get tough. And that'll be... You can't bluff me, you cheap crook. Get out. You're asking for this, boy. Now I'm... Then he whipped out a knife and went after me with it. Gee whiz, a knife. Yes. Fortunately, I managed to beat him off, and he ran down the steps and disappeared in the dark. Did you report this to the police? Not yet, Mr. Kent. You've got to do so at once. You're in danger. Oh, I don't think that fellow will tackle me again. Uh, you can't be sure, Mr. Reed. What's more, I think those four players, Rizzuti, Pulaski, Kelly, and Kaplan, are in danger, too. I think Mr. Kent's right. Say, I didn't think of that. Look, uh, where are the boys now? Why, why they're at home. I get... No. Now, wait a minute. It's 7 o'clock. They'll be on their way to the high school. We'll meet there at 7.15 and drive to the armor. Uh-oh. Jim, get Inspector Henderson on the phone. Okay, Mr. Kent. Ask him to send a police escort to Metropolis High. We'll escort Mr. Reed to the school, and the police can take over from there. Hurry! As Jim goes out to contact the police, Coach Reed's late opponent, Joe, is walking up a dark street near Metropolis High School. A husky man wearing a shabby overcoat and cap. That dirty Reedy almost broke my arm. He was tough, Joe, huh? Yeah, but I'll fix him. One, one way to skin a cat. What do you mean? If he lets those four kids play tonight, Metropolis will win. Oh, no, they won't, Fargo. Sure they will. Those kids are good. It won't matter how good they are. Wait a minute. Hold it. Huh? What you stopping for? This is where we stand and wait. See that apartment building across the street? Yeah, yeah. What about it? Just keep your eyes open and do what I tell you. And Metropolis will lose tonight, sure as shoot. His small eyes glittering in his sallow face. Wiry Joe crouches in the dark shadows with his companion, Fargo. How does he plan to make certain that Metropolis High will lose tonight? In the shadows of a dark street across from an apartment building, the man called Joe suddenly stiffens and presses the arm of his companion, Fargo. As two boys emerge from the building and start across the street... 
Okay, Fargo, get ready. Here they come. Yeah, yeah. You sure they're the right ones, Joe? Yeah, that's Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti. You know what they're doing now? Yeah, just leave it to me. Okay, Fargo, let him have it! Leaping on the two young high school athletes, Joe and Fargo strike out at them savagely. And unprepared for the cowardly attack, Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti stagger, then fall to the pavement. Is it only a grim stroke of fate that Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti, two of the boys marked for danger by the intolerant knights of the White Carnation, have been struck down on the eve of a big game by vicious thugs? They'll know more tomorrow, gang. So don't miss the next exciting episode when Superman and his friends encounter new and startling developments in their campaign to expose the hate-mongering knights of the White Carnation. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC comic magazines, and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep! P-E-P-Pep! Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman! Clark Kent's suspicions are confirmed as Metropolis High's basketball team faces further obstacles put in their way by the vicious, hate-mongering knights of the White Carnation. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Van McCullough. You know, I saw some of the gangs start off to the movies the other day, and I noticed that the whole crowd had to wait while one of the fellas went back to the house for his cap that he'd forgotten. Yes, sir, he felt kind of out of things without his collection of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. He wanted to wear that cap with a comic button spin on it so everybody could see how many he'd collected. And believe me, he has a right to be proud of them. They're so doggone slipping, the colors stand out so bright and sharp, every single picture is a real eye-catcher. A little moose and, and vitamin flint hard and Superman and all the rest. Yes, sir, gang, you'll want to collect every single one of these 18 buttons in that new series. And you can, too. Sure, they're that easy to get. You just ask Mom to get the Sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep, and look for your prize inside every package you open. That's right. You don't have to send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But there's one as a prize in every package of Pep. And say, Pep's a prize when it comes to good eating at breakfast, too. Crisp and fresh and golden whole wheat flakes full up with catchy sunshine flavor. Good for you, too. Mom knows that. So remind her to get plenty of P.E.P., the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. 
Because four players on the Metropolis High School basketball team are of foreign ancestry, Vincent Kirby, wealthy leader of a hate-mongering group calling themselves the Knights of the White Carnation, made an attempt to discredit the boys and have them removed from the team. This was foiled by Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman. But Kirby, who had not hesitated to commit murder, was far from through. That evening, following an unsuccessful attempt to bribe Paul Reed, coach of the Metropolis High team, to throw a state championship game, two men ambushed Casimir Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti, two of the young players, and beat them unmercifully. As we continue now, the men have disappeared in the darkness. Cass and Tony are painfully picking themselves up from the pavement. Listen. Tony, brother. Tony, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Guess how about you? I don't know. My stomach feels like like it's stopped a bulldozer. Yeah, I know what you mean. Where did those guys go anyway? They ran away. Cowards. Let's get going, Cass. Oh, boy. I can hardly walk. Yeah, me too. Well, those dirty rats beat us up for any Search me. Maybe they were muggers. Nah, I had two dollars in my pocket and it's still here. They weren't muggers. I guess not. Then why all this? You've got me. Come on, we'll find a policeman. No, no, wait, Cass. We can't tell a police about this, not yet, anyhow. Huh? Why not? Well, you know. They might hold us down at headquarters asking questions and stuff. We've got a game to play tonight, remember? Say, that's right. I forgot all about the game. I don't know if I can play, though. My stomach's still... got to play, Cass. It's the opening game for the state championship. Yeah, I know, it's only but... depending on this, Cass. Phil and Mickey and Jack and Coach Reed. Well, the whole school's depending on us to help win this game and the championship. Gee, that's right. But I'll bet the coach won't let us play when he hears we were beat up. Oh, don't let's tell him about it till after the game. Here, come here. I'll, I'll brush the dirt off your clothes, then you can do the same for me. Okay. How will you explain being all bruised up? Oh, you don't look bruised. I don't? No. There. Just clean up your face a little and nobody'll know a thing. Say, you don't look beat up either, Tony. I guess it's because the guy just hit me in the stomach. Yeah, that's where he got me too, mostly. Oh, boy, it hurts when I bend. Yeah, me too. It'll probably be all right by the game time. How do I look? Okay. How about me? All right. Come on, let's get going. Game's set to start pretty soon. The officials are walking out on the fly now. That means the game's going to start. Uh-huh. Got my fingers crossed for Metropolis, Jim. I'll relax. I tell you, we'll take Cedar Falls by at least 20 points. You hope. You'll see. Here we go. That's Jack Wilson getting ready to jump at center. He's our captain. Yeah, I know. And Tony Rizzuti and Phil Kaplan. Oh, they're forward. There we go. Come on, team. boy, Jack. Feel too bad about it? I don't. We'll get that score back and then some. Sure. Atta boy, Jack. Say, did you see him steal that ball and look at the Uh huh. Nice play. Tough luck. Tony missed the shot. See, that's two. He missed in a row. What's the matter with him? No, the Cedar Falls guard had him well covered. Tony's so fast, he always makes a monkey out of his guard. Four to nothing, favorite Cedar Falls. Come on, gang, let's roll up some score. Boy, look at that fast break, Mr. Kent. Uh-huh. Boy, look at that captain boy take the ball off the floor. Look at him go. He's terrific. And how? Now watch. He's going to feed it to Tony for the shot. There it goes. Oh, Tony got trapped by his guard. Holy smokes, what is the matter with him tonight? Seems tired, Jim. Could he be tired? The game just started. I know, but he's still... Stop that shot, Pulaski. Stop it. Uh-oh. 
She whiz. That cedar falls forward. That Pulaski tied to the post. What's the matter with him? I don't know. He seems rather tired, too. Next to nothing. Favor cedar falls. I don't... Attaboy, Bill! Isn't that a swell shot, Mr. Kidd? Certainly was, but honey. Six to two now. Watch us come back. Oh, jeepers. Tony slipped and dropped the ball. And there goes Cedar Falls with it. With another score. Our team isn't clicking, Jim. Oh, you said it. Tony and Pulaski are plenty solid enough. Come on, come on. Can't understand this, Mr. Kent. Something's fishy. With exactly three minutes left to play, the score is Cedar Falls 69, Metropolis 38. Oh, boy, we're getting stunned. This is awful, Mr. Kent. It's an upset, all right. Look, Jim. Coach Reed is sending substitutes in for Rizzuti and Pulaski. Well, maybe these new boys will cut things up. Uh, it's too late now. Less than two minutes left. Yeah. Tony and Cass threw the game away. Well, they certainly didn't play like stars. Of course, every athlete has an off night occasionally, you know. Sure, but why do they both have to be off tonight? In the opening game for the state championship. That's what I'm wondering. Fired from the very beginning. Oh, another basket for Cedar Falls. Oh, let's go, Mr. Ken. I can't stand any more of this. Okay, Jim, we'll go to the dressing room. Dressing room? What for? I want to see Pulaski and Rizzuti. Come on. Right on this ramp, Jim. Uh-huh. Dressing room's straight ahead, I think. Yeah, that's right. Look, uh, what do you want to see Pulaski and Rizzuti for, Mr. Ken? What do I want to see them for? Remember what happened earlier this evening? Earlier this evening? Yes, when Coach Reed was propositioned to throw... The... Oh, what's this? What? Something's happened in the Metropolis dressing room. Come on, Jim, on the double. Breaking into a run, Clark Kent followed by Jimmy Olsen races down the ramp to the Metropolis High School dressing room. What has Kent's Superman vision seen through the closed door? Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen have just burst into the Metropolis High School dressing room in the armory, where Jimmy's eyes widen in surprise as he sees Sergeant Healy of Inspector Henderson's staff and two uniformed police officers surrounding two pale-faced boys, Casimir Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti. Oh, Sergeant Healy, what's going on here? Oh, hello, Kent. We're taking Pulaski and Rizzuti down to see the D.A. What? what? The D.A.? Yeah. Come on, boys, get into your street clothes fast. Well, look, Healy, what's the charge? Yeah, why you... Sergeant Jets can't talk to the press yet. Come on, you two. Get a move on. Yeah, but wait, Sergeant. Is anything? We'll see about that after you've had a talk with the DA. Well, now, wait, Sergeant. Can't we talk to this, this Ken? Hey, Cass, Tony, what's this all about? Oh, he says we threw tonight's game, Jim. Threw tonight's That's game? That's right. You know us, Jim. You, you know we wouldn't do a thing like that. Of course you wouldn't. Now, listen, Sergeant. Take your breath, Jim. But, but you... Look, Sergeant. I've I... got orders to take these two boys in, and nobody's going to talk me out of well, it. Well, nobody's trying. Well, ask here is only you're going to get dressed until we take you in the way you are. Oh, but wait, wait. Sergeant, just one thing, Sergeant, please. Specifically, just what is the charge against these boys? You can tell me that. All right, Kent. These two kids are charged with taking money from a gambler to lay down in tonight's game against Cedar Falls. Now, wait a minute. That's a lie. Yeah, it's a dirty lie. We don't even know any gamblers. Just a moment, Jim. Now, look here, Sergeant. There must be some mistake. Oh, no, there isn't, Kent. We've got these boys dead to rights. Oh, Lonnie, maybe they didn't play very well. Wait a minute, Jim. Wait. These two boys, together with Kelly and Kaplan, were accused of being in collusion with gamblers yesterday, Sergeant. 
But the chairman of the school board, after an investigation, gave them a clean bill of health. That's right. Oh, yeah? Well, get this, Kent. The school board chairman couldn't get all the dope, but the district attorney did. What do you mean? He had us pick up a professional gambler named Jim Monroe this evening. Monroe sang like a canary. He sang? What did he say? Monroe confessed to paying these two kids, Pulaski and Rizzuti, $50 apiece to throw to the game. Why, that, that's the truth! That's a dirty lie! Try to make the DA believe that. Come on, get your overcoats on now and we'll get going. You boys are under arrest. What does this mean? A professional gambler, said Sergeant Healy, confessed to bribing Casimir Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti to throw tonight's game. We know this is not true. And we also know that Vincent Kirby, leader of the hate-mongering Knights of the White Carnation, swore to get Casimir and Tony and the two other stars of the Metropolis High team because they are of foreign ancestry. Is this another frame-up engineered by the Knights of the White Carnation? And if so, what can Superman, who is assured of the boy's innocence, do about it? There are more surprises and excitement in store for you in tomorrow's thrilling episode as Superman battles through a web of mystery and hate. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Superman fights to clear the names of two boys who have been enmeshed in a web of intolerance, spun by the hate-mongering knights of the White Carnation. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, wouldn't you be excited if uh, sometime when you're reading the funny papers, Chief Brandon or uh, the Little Moose or Superman would speak to you? Why, of course that can't really happen, but you almost feel as if it could when you look over your collection of comic buttons in that new series Kellogg's Pep is putting out. Because these pictures of your favorite comic strip characters are really true to life. Every single one of these 18 different buttons is straight from the funny papers. And it's printed up in bright comic strip colors, too, on white enameled metal buttons that look mighty keen on your jacket or your dress cap. So how's about reminding Mom to get you some more of that sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep? Because that's the only way you can get these nifty comic buttons. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. But you get a comic button every time you open a new package of Pep. And say, that's really a thrill. 
And you get another thrill when you spoon into your morning dish of pet, believe me, because that catchy golden toasted sunshine flavor is something super delicious, something to make you want to eat lots. So hop to it, gang. Ask Mom to get you plenty of P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pet. And now the adventures of Superman. Sensational events have taken place in the last 48 hours since a group of hate mongers called the Knights of the White Carnation resolved to remove four players from the Metropolis High School basketball team because the boys are of foreign ancestry. First, a prominent citizen named Charles Canfield, who was about to expose the intolerant Knights, was murdered. Then, two of the high school basketball players, Casimir Polaski and Tony Rizzuti, were ambushed before a championship game and savagely beaten. Then, following the game, which Metropolis lost, Pulaski and Rizzuti were arrested, charged with accepting $50 each to throw the game. As we continue now, Clark Kent, who, as we know as Superman, is in the office of District Attorney Frank Agnew. Listen. I tell you, Mr. Agnew, you're making a mistake. It's ridiculous even to assume that two boys like Pulaski and Rizzuti would throw the game. Really? Were you in the army tonight, Mr. Kent? I mean, to see the game. Yes, I was. Well, I was there, too. It was obvious to everyone that Pulaski and Rizzuti were trying to lose. Oh, nothing of the sort. I had a talk with the boys after their arrest. They told me they've been ambushed in front of the house this evening by two men and beaten up. Did you know that? I know. Well, it happened a short while before the game, and that's why they played so badly. Well, if that's true, why didn't they report it? Because they were afraid they wouldn't be allowed to play. They knew the team couldn't win without them. Very noble. Oh, now, look, Mr. Ragnar, just because you're the district attorney... I'm sorry if I seem to disbelieve, Kent, but I saw those boys in uniform and there wasn't a mark on them. Why, no, there wasn't. They said they'd been beaten only in the solar plexus. Oh, come now, Kent. Don't tell me you buy that. Certainly I do. I'm surprised. A smart reporter like you falling with such a trumped-up alibi? Well, I don't think it's trumped up. I believe them. Look, Kent, things like this have happened before. When somebody waves $50 under their noses, kids forget about their reputations and their duty to their school and teammates and grab at the money. I don't believe that. Well, I can prove it. Get your hat and come along. Where? To the city jail. I've got a little surprise there for you. Let's go. Here we are, Kent. I'd like you to meet Jip Monroe. Jip Monroe? You mean the gambler? That's the one. Now, listen, Jip. What's on your mind, P.A.? I understand you were taken upstairs a few minutes ago to meet two boys. Ah, yeah, that's right. Did you recognize them? Sure. They're Pulaski and Rizzuti, two kids from Metropolis High. Are they the boys you bribed to throw tonight's basketball game? Yeah, they're the ones. Yeah, hear that, Kent? Yes, but... Uh, you want to tell me what you paid them? Why not? I give them 50 bucks apiece. I can't believe it. That's all for now, Jip. Let's go, Clark. We'll grab a cab back to City Hall. Well, satisfied now, Kent? No. No, I'm not, Mr. Agnew. But you heard what Yes, you but I think Jip Monroe was lying. Ridiculous. Why would he deliberately ask for a jail sentence by confessing a crime he didn't commit? That's what bothers me. I mean, why he did confess so readily. Because he knows he's trapped. No. Mr. Mortimer, chairman of the school board, what? had some evidence which led us to Monroe, you see. Mr. Mortimer, huh? Uh-huh. You see, I've been working a long time to drive the crooked gamblers out of athletics. And when I got the goods on Jip... I made him realize he'd be smart to cooperate with me. Look, Mr. Agnew, for my money, this whole mess is a frame. A frame? Yes, I'm convinced those high school boys are being framed. Oh, now, look. I intend to find out why. Uh, Let me out here, please, driver. Uh, Wait, Kent. Let me drop you at your house. Thanks, but I'm not going home. Where are you going? What's all this about a frame-up? Can't you tell me more? Not now. I'll give it all to you on a silver platter when it's cooked and ready. Good night. Let's see, where can I change? Oh, this alley is nice and dark. And, yes, it's deserted. Now, off for these clothes. So, the district attorney got his tip to Jip Monroe for Mr. Mortimer, huh? Well, Mortimer struck me as a pretty sly character if I ever saw one. 
So I think I'd better check into that. But first, a quick trip as Superman to see Perry White. There we are, all set. Up and away! Ken, what brings you all the way out here at this hour? I'll tell you in a minute, Chief. Mind if I come in and close the door? No, no, of course not. Come on in. Thanks. Now, what is it? Get into your hat and overcoat. We're going back to town. What for? It's almost one o'clock in the morning. I know, but you've got to bail a couple of boys out of jail. Their families don't have the money. You mean those two basketball players? That's right, Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti. You see, they've been arrested. I know, I know. Jim Molson's been beating my ear about it on the phone. He thinks they were framed. I'm pretty sure they're being framed. And what's more, I think I know by whom. Yeah? Who? By the same person or persons who murdered Charles Canfield. Canfield? Mm Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Remember that newspaper clipping from our paper that was found in Canfield's pocket? Yes, of course. A story about the Metropolis High School basketball team. That's the right. That... It included a picture of the team. And if you remember on Canfield's clipping, four of the players' names were underlined in red ink. Yes, I remember that. What What's that? Wait, wait, listen. Yesterday, Mr. Mortimer, chairman of the school board, accused all four of those boys of being in collusion with gamblers. When I made him admit he didn't have the evidence to back his charges up, he reinstated the boys. I know, I know, but, but I still... Tonight, after two of the boys are beaten up so that they can't play well, Mortimer directs the DA's office to an unknown gambler who all too readily breaks down and confesses that he bribed the boys to throw the game. Hey, that does sound a little fishy, doesn't it? It sounds plenty fishy, Chief. I think Canfield's story had something to do with what's been happening to the Metropolis High School basketball team and that he was killed to prevent him from telling it to oh, you. Oh, wait a minute, Kent. Wait a minute. Isn't that jumping to conclusions? Well, maybe, but I believe I'm right. And if I am, I'm afraid this business won't stop with the murder of Canfield and the cowardly framing of innocent boys. Mm. Meanwhile, you don't want those two boys to spend the night in jail, do you, Chief? No, no, of course not. I'll grab your hat and coat. We'll run downtown to bail Tony and Cass out. Then I'm going to get to the bottom of this. A few minutes later, as Clark Kent and Perry White start back to Metropolis to bail Tony Rizzuti and Casimir Pulaski out of jail... Six well-dressed men are gathered around the table in the library of Vincent Kirby's imposing stone townhouse facing the park. In the lapel of each man's coat is a large, white, dewy, fresh carnation. And before each man is a galley proof of the first page of a newspaper. As Vincent Kirby clears his throat, the men look up. Hello, Knights of the White Carnation. I've called this special meeting to report the progress we've made thus far in our campaign to clear Metropolis athletics of foreigners. Tonight, I show each of you a galley proof of page one of tomorrow's Daily Blade, which, as you know, I control. As you see, the headline and main story have to do with the arrest of two Metropolis high school boys, Tony Rizzuti and Casimir Pulaski, both of whom are charged with accepting money for throwing tonight's basketball game. However, gentlemen, the work of the Knights of the White Carnation in this affair is far from over. As a matter of fact, this is only the beginning, because our interests... Not only in driving a few boys off an athletic team, our ultimate goal is to drive every boy and girl of foreign ancestry out of our schools. You agree? Good. Now, listen to this, gentlemen. I have a surprise plan for which the preparatory work is already done. The foundations are already laid. Tomorrow, we go into real action. And by tomorrow night, every foreigner in Metropolis will be trembling in his shoes. Cold eyes gleaming and thin, cruel lips curled back from his teeth in a beast-like snarl. Vincent Kirby, leader of the intolerant Knights of the White Carnation, voices his mysterious threat against American boys and girls. What is it? As our story continues, it is the next morning. Clark Kent enters Perry White's office in the Daily Planet, where the gray-haired editor who is speaking on the telephone beckons to him. Now, here he is now. Hold the wire. Oh, Kent, somebody wants you on the phone. Oh, thanks, Chief. Say, where's Jim? Do you know? I want to see him. He was called out to Metropolis High School. Seems something happened out there. Oh. Hello, Kent speaking. 
Oh, yes, Mr. Reed. Why, yes, I suppose I could. What's up? Jim Olson asked you to call me? What's the matter? Wait a minute, Chief. Trouble? Why, what's happening? Well, what is it, Captain? Oh, Chief, please. It's already started. Well, yes, I can... Hello? Wait a minute, Coach. Oh, he hung up. Oh, what's happening, Ken? No, 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 wait. Where are you going? To Metropolis High School and fast. See you later, Chief. Feeling very wiped out as Clark Kent hurries out into a deserted storeroom. Quickly strips off his business suit and in a moment is set to leap from a window in his true identity of Superman. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Flashing through the sky like a red and blue meteor, the Man of Steel heads for Metropolis High School, where he has just been told Jimmy Olsen and others are in danger. What has happened at Metropolis High? Has Vincent Kirby, hate leader of the intolerant Knights of the White Carnation, made good his threat to strike again at democracy? We'll know more tomorrow, gang, so don't miss the next exciting action-packed episode. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the Sunshine Cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Superman zooms to Jimmy Olsen's rescue and moves closer toward exposing the vicious plot of the bigoted Knights of the White Carnation. Nation.
Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, I'm going to pass out a little advice right now to all the fellows in the gang. You know, I've discovered that the girls are coming mighty close to collecting more comic buttons in that new series from packages of Kellogg's Pep than the fellas. And you don't want that to happen, so you better get busy. That's my advice. And say, it's a load of fun, isn't it, gang? Mighty exciting when Mom opens a new package of Pep to see which button is inside. Maybe it'll be Judy or Corky, or uh, the little moose, or Superman himself. Or maybe it'll be a duplicate so that you can trade with one of your pals. And that Pep comic button is bound to be mighty keen-looking. Bright comic strip colors on a sparkling white background. A real humdinger. But you know what the best part is? It's so easy to get these Pep comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to ask Mom to get you some Kellogg's Pep and look inside every package you open for your prize. And say, you can look forward to some mighty good eating, too, when Pep heads the breakfast menu. These good whole wheat flakes have that good flavor that makes you want to eat hearty. They're loaded with catchy sunshine flavor. That's P-E-P, gang, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Angry because four-star players on the Metropolis High School basketball team are of foreign ancestry, a secret group of vicious hate mongers who call themselves the Knights of the White Carnation set out to drive the boys off the team. And before an important game, two of the boys, Tony Rizzuti and Cass Pulaski, were beaten up. As a result, Metropolis High was defeated. Then that night, a professional gambler falsely stated that he had bribed Rizzuti and Pulaski to throw the game. And they were arrested. Certain the boys were victims of a frame-up. Clark Kent arranged for their release on bail. But the next morning, he received a phone call from the Metropolis coach, telling him that cub reporter Jimmy Olsen was in danger at the high school. As Superman, Kent left for Metropolis High, where at this moment, Jimmy stands in the gymnasium, his back against a closed door, threatened by hundreds of shouting, milling students. Listen. the angry mob of students surges forward against the locked door, placing Jimmy Olsen and others who have gone down in danger of being trampled. The crowd is about to throw itself against Coach Reed's door when suddenly there is a great burst of wind, and a figure in blue costume and glowing red cape flashes into the gymnasium above the heads of the milling mob and thuds down before the cracking of his door. Wait a minute. Hold everything. What goes on? Superman. This isn't the American way of doing things. Only poor sports and cowards form mobs and take the law into their own hands. Nice telling him, Superman. Yeah, how about the team throwing the game? Yeah. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. To begin with, I don't believe Pulaski and Rizzuti threw the game last night. That's a lot of baloney. Jim's right. I have reason to believe that the gambler mentioned in the papers lied and that Pulaski and Rizzuti were framed. Framed? Yes, I said they were framed, and I'm going to prove it. Now, for heaven's sake, clear out of here and go back to your classroom, all of you. Be thankful that nobody was seriously hurt. Come on, Jim, let's go see the coach. Jim, Jim, are you okay? Why, sure, coach. I, I was just coming out. I would have been in a bad way, though, if Superman hadn't showed up just when he did. Why, why, it is Superman. That's right, Coach Reed. Where are the members of the team? Well, I, I managed to slip them out to the principal's office against their will, of course, while Jim was holding the fort here. I see. Look, please don't get the wrong idea of our students, Superman. 
They would never have taken part in a riot like this if he hadn't been stirred up by outside agitators. Outside agitators? That's right. Yeah, and those dirty pamphlets. Pamphlets? Well, well you yeah. see... Oh, just a moment. Wait a minute. I, I want to know all about this, but I can't stay at the moment. Suppose you, Coach Reed, and you, Jim, give Clark Kent all the details. He'll, uh, he'll see that I get them. Well, Jim asked me to phone Kent, Where but is I... he? He'll be in the principal's office in a few minutes. So long now. Up and away! <laughs> Is to know more about what started the excitement this morning. Jim and Coach Reed here say outside agitators were involved. Is that true? So I understand. But I'm sure Mr. Reed can tell you more than I know. Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Kent. It all started. Uh, excuse me, Jim. Wait a minute. Suppose we let Coach Reed tell us what he knows first. Huh? Oh, okay. Go ahead, Coach. Well, I, I was a little late getting to school this morning because the district attorney wanted to see me about this gambling charge. Uh-huh. But as I understand it, when the students began arriving, they found two men in front of the building passing out these pamphlets. And disgraceful things, completely un-American. Yeah, you ought to see them, Mr. Kent. I'd like to. Is there one here? Yes, I've got one here. Take a look at that. Thanks. Great Scott. Students of Metropolis High, the athletes who sold you out last night and discredited you and your school are foreigners. Foreigners? Disgraceful. What a dirty lie. Those boys are all good Americans. Of course they are. Go on, read what else it says. Okay. These foreign boys and their families have different ideals from yours. They will do anything for money, and unless they are stopped, they will ruin our great country. How about that? Easy, Jim. It's up to you to show them they don't belong in our schools. Don't delay. Act now. How do you like that, Mr. Kent? I don't, Jim. Why, this is the sort of poison that turns Americans against each other. It's the dirtiest, most vicious thing in the world. And the most unfair. Yes. And this is the kind of stuff these fellows were passing out to the students and, and talking to them, getting them all stirred up against Tony Rizzutian and Cass Pulaski. Of course, that started the riot, naturally. The students had their hearts set on winning the state championship this year, you know. When these agitators made them believe their four stars had sold them out. And it isn't true, Mr. Kent, believe me. I know all four of these boys. I've worked and played with them. And they're swell youngsters, excellent students, popular with their schoolmates. It's fairly obvious to me that a gang of hate mongers are behind this whole thing. And they're out to discredit the four star players on your team. Then use that to discredit all American youngsters of foreign extraction. Oh, no. Yes. And what's more, I think Charles Canfield knew that and was murdered to prevent him from revealing the identity of the hate spreaders. Jeepers. Canfield. You, you mean the millionaire who was found dead the other night? Yes, you see, just before he was killed, Mr. Reed, he phoned Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, and told him he had a story that would blow this town wide open. Oh, when he was found, he had a newspaper clipping in his pocket with a photograph of the Metropolis High School team, and the names of four of the players were underlined. Say, that's well, right. I remember now. The underlined names, those are the four boys whom these hate spreaders call foreigners. So now we know the kind of men we're up against. Not men, rats. Right, Jim. And unless I miss my guess, they won't stop with Canfield's murder in this one incident. I think they're out for bigger game. That is to spread hate and violence through Metropolis. We've got to find them and lock them up before they run wild. You're very right, Mr. Kent. But how can we do that when we don't even know who they are? Their agents disappeared after passing out their poison pamphlets and starting the riot. Oh, wait a minute. Some of the students ought to be able to identify them. Jack Wilson saw them. Jack Wilson, captain of the team? Uh-huh. He's the one who phoned me to come down here. Where is he, Jim? I told him to wait in the study room upstairs. Would you like to see him, Mr. Kent? I certainly would. Very well. If you'll wait a moment, I'll have him sent down here. Oh. Now, tell me this, Jack. Did you get a good look at these agitators? I sure did, Mr. Kent. Well, that is one of them. And what did he look like? Well, he was a tall, thin guy, uh-huh. about 30 years old. Yeah. Pale, pasty face, and small, kind of glittering eyes, set close together. Say, that sounds like a perfect description of the man who tried to bribe me to keep Pulaski, Rizzuti, Capron, and Kelly on the bench last night. Once more, he answers the description of one of the two men who beat up Rizzuti and Pulaski after the, before the game last night. Sheepers. Then he's the guy we want. Right, Jim. This gives us something to start with. Now, look. I'm going over to the district attorney's office and get a search started for this fellow. 
The rest of you spread the word around school to be on the watch for those men, because it's just possible that they'll show up again. I'll call an assembly of all the students, Mr. Kent. I'll put this whole matter before them and warn them to notify me if those men appear again. Swell, Mr. Aiden. Jim, yeah? you better stick around here for a while and report progress. Okay. But be careful. In fact, all of you be careful. If you see the men we want, report them at once, but don't tangle with them. We know now they're the type of hate-mongering snake who won't stop even at murder. So be careful. Repeating his warning to avoid danger, Clark Kent leaves Metropolis High School for the district attorney's office. Unaware that the man he is about to begin his search for, the tall, thin man with the pasty face and small, glittering eyes, is just emerging from a car in an alley near the school building. As we continue now, shortly after Clark Kent's departure, it is the luncheon period at Metropolis High School. Jack Wilson, center and captain of the basketball team, is sauntering toward Jim Olsen in the schoolyard when Jim calls to him to hurry. Hey, Jack. Jack Wilson. Come here, quick. What's the matter, Jim? What's cooking? That, that guy. The one who passed out pamphlets and made speeches. Yeah, what about him? He just came out of the lunch wagon across the street. He did? Uh-huh. He's talking to a couple of the students. Uh, see? There, there he goes now. Gosh, that's the guy, all right. Come on, we'll tell Mr. Raiden and he can call the police. No, wait. He's going down the street now. He'll be gone before we can get help. What do we do? Come on with me. We'll follow him. But wait, Jim. Mr. Kent I know, but we'll be careful. Come on, we've got to see where he goes and what he's up to. But gee whiz, come on, before he gets away. Afraid that the agitator might get away, Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson disregard Clark Kent's warning and set out after the tall, thin man who was walking rapidly toward a nearby alley. This man, as we know, is responsible for beating up Tony Rizzuti and Casimir Pulaski and is the associate of the murderous Knights of the White Carnation. Will he lead Jimmy and Jack to an important discovery or into danger? We'll know tomorrow, gang, so don't miss tomorrow's thrill-packed episode. Be sure to tune in. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as eleven ninety nine per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. 
able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg Pep. P-E-P Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Clark Kent is waiting for Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson to contact him. Not realizing that the boys have become dangerously entangled in the very plot they all are trying to solve. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, it would be uh, kind of too bad to lose out, you know, to let your friends get ahead of you in collecting those nifty comic buttons in that new series Kellogg's Pep is putting out. Because these buttons are so easy to get. You don't have to spend any of your allowance, and you don't even have to send in a box stop. And uh, you wouldn't want to miss the fun of trading duplicates either, and showing off your collection on your jacket or your dresser cap. So keep right on working on your collection. You know, there are 18 new and different buttons in all. Every single one an old funny paper favorite, like uh, Vitamin Flitheart or Pat Patton and Superman, of course. And every single one is a colorful, true-to-life picture. But remember, you can't buy these Pep County buttons anywhere. You get them the easy way, one in every package of Kellogg's Pep you open. And say you get something else, too. A super delicious whole wheat breakfast cereal that tastes just as good as it is good for you. Yes, sir. Pep helps start your day right with energy vitamin B1 and good old sunshine vitamin D. And say Pep gives your appetite a lift with that catchy sunshine flavor and loads of crisp golden toasted goodness. So remind Mom to get you some P.E.P., the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. Although Clark Kent is certain that hate mongers are responsible for the murder of a prominent citizen and for the false arrest of two Metropolis High School athletes on the charge of throwing a basketball game, he does not yet know who the bigots are. His only clue is the description of a man who passed out vicious hate-smearing pamphlets to the high school students and then stirred them into a near riot against what were intolerantly called foreign athletes. Leaving cub reporter Jimmy Olsen at the school with orders to contact him at once if the man was seen again, Kent left for the district attorney's office. A short time later, Jimmy and Jack Wilson, the captain of the team, spotted the agitator leaving the lunch wagon near the school. As we continue now, they are following him down a quiet tree-lined street. Listen. Suppose he turns around, Jim. What if he does, Jack? All he'll see is just a couple of high school kids out for a walk during lunch period. Yeah, but this guy is bad medicine. He beat up Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti last night. And Mr. Kent says he's mixed up in the murder of Mr. Canfield, the millionaire. Sure, that's why we've got to follow him and see where he goes. Then we can call Mr. Kent, get the police out, and grab him. But you heard Mr. Kent say we shouldn't take any chances. To just call him or the police if we saw this fellow. But how are we going to stop off and call up anybody and still not lose this guy? Tell me that. Oh, gosh, I don't know, but... Uh-oh, wait. He's turning around. Stop you, dummy. You want him to know we're trailing him? Well, oh, come on. Gee whiz, Jim. Come on, I tell you. See, he's going on. Oh, yeah. Boy, my heart jumped right up into my mouth when he turned around. Relax. I've trailed plenty of bad actors. Guy's just as dangerous as this one. All you have to do is keep on your toes, but not act as if you're trailing. Wait. He's going to cross the street. No, don't follow him across yet. Just slow down a little and see where he goes. Okay. I guess you know all the ropes, Jim. I know a few. I'm a reporter, you know. Yeah, I know. Hey, look. He's going into that alley. Uh-huh. Come on. Gotta go after him. After him into the alley? Sure. Come on. Golly, Jim, frankly, I... 
I'm not too keen about following that guy into an alley. You want to see Cass and Tony clear, don't you? Well, sure, but, well, the only way we can do it is by trailing this guy. Wait. Hold it, Jack. Now what? He stopped at that car. See? Behind the old lumber yard. Yeah, I see him. Quick, look behind the telephone pole. Can you see what he's doing? Yeah. He's getting into the car. Oh, this is where he loses us. I said he'd get his license number. Can you make it out, Jack? Kind of tough. There's mud on it. Probably put it there on purpose, the rat. I can make out a Y. And the number six. Mm. That's all I can see, too. Jeepers, if only he were headed this way, then he'd pass us and maybe we could get his number. Well, he is. You just so... think you're doing Huh? Jim, I mean... A little spying, maybe. Huh? Oh, us? No, we were... This is one of the guys who was at school this morning. She was... Come on, break away. Oh, you don't stand still or I'll bat your brains out. Stand still, I said. You can't get away. Okay, uh, okay, we're not trying to get away. Oh, no. No, you see... Yeah, Fargo. I caught these two kids trailing you, Joe. Oh, well, they were, huh? No, no we, we were. were just... Uh... Bring them here. Right. I want you to walk away to that car. Oh, wait, let go, will you? Relax, Jack. This is what we wanted. Come on. Now ah, you're being smart. Hey, this is bad, Jim. Oh, it's perfect. Um, we wanted to meet these guys, didn't we? Huh? Sure. Didn't we want to get in with them? You know. What? Maybe even get to work with them. Work with them? Hey, what are you kids talking about? Well, you see, mister, we like what you said in those pamphlets you passed out at school today. We... We agree with you 100%, see? Oh, oh. you do, huh? Yeah, so we thought... Wait a minute. Talk to my... To my, uh, friend here. What's going on here, Fargo? I don't know, Joe. This freckled character is handing me some line about wanting to get in and work with us. Is that so? Yeah, you see, mister, we... Shut up and get into the car. Now, look, mister, we... Yeah, I said in the back. Okay, sure, we'll get in. We want to talk to you anyhow. Come on, Jack. Jeepers, Jim, what do we do if I have just followed my lead? I got to back with the kids, Fargo. You get in front and be ready for a quick getaway if I give you the word. Okay, Joe. Now, look, you kids, I want the truth and fast. What's the idea of following me? Well, you see, mister, it's like I started to tell your friend. Jack and I heard you talking outside school this morning, and we read the pamphlet you passed out, and we... Well, we agree with what you said about Pulaski and Rizzuti and the other foreigner basketball players giving us a dirty deal. You do, huh? That's right. You see, we... Hey, wait a... Wait a minute. Aren't you Jack Wilson, captain of the Metropolis High team? Well, yes, I, I am, but... Look, Wilson, what are you trying to do? Pull a fast one on me? Well, no, I... Hold it. What's your name, kid? Me? Uh, Jim. Uh, Jim Adams. Adams, huh? That's a good American name. Yeah, I'm a good American, all right. That's why I wanted to talk to you, see? Jack and I want to get back at the guys who threw the game last night. I don't know if you should go for this, Joe. After all, I would tell Quiet, you. Fargo. I'm handling this. Okay, okay. Now, you boys want to get back at the dirty little foreigners who threw the game on you, huh? We sure do, don't we, Jack? Then how? Well, maybe I'll give you the chance. Tonight. How would you like that? Oh, boy, that's swell. Wh- what do you want us to do? If you're on the level, I'll tell you. Tonight. Okay. Just say where and when. Both of you be in Pete's lunch wagon across the street from the school at 8 o'clock. Call you on the phone there and tell you where to meet me. Can't you, uh, tell us now? You heard me. I'll phone you at the lunch wagon tonight at 8. Okay, let's go, Jack. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's a couple of flowers. Wear them when you come to meet us tonight. White carnations. What's the oh, idea? Never mind the idea. Just do as I say. And if you do a good job, you'll not only get back at those basketball players... But you'll make a little money besides. Money? Yeah. Now fade. Be at the lunch wagon at 8 o'clock for my phone call. Don't forget to wear the white carnations when you come where I tell you to. Oh, we won't forget. Come on, Jack. We'll be there, mister. Okay. Get going, Fargo. Gosh, Jack, you think we ought to save your breath for a run, Jack? 
We've got to see Mr. Kent, and fast. Come on. What happened then, Jim? Nothing, Mr. Kent. They drove away, and we came right over here to the planet. Let's see. You're to be at this lunch wagon at 8 o'clock, right? Yeah. This guy, Joe, said he'd phone us there and tell us where to meet him. All right, now get this. When he phones you, I want you to call me at once and tell me where he told you to come. I'll be at the district attorney's office, understand? Uh-huh. And you and the DA will meet Joe instead of us, That's huh? the idea, Jim. Now, it... well, what about the, these flowers, the white carnations that he told us to wear? Yeah, what do you think that's for, Mr. Kent? Well, they're obviously for purposes of identification. We'll find out more about that later. Now, you boys got everything straight? Sure. We go to the lunch wagon tonight and wait for Joe's phone call. Right. Then we call you at the DA's office, and you and the DA take it from there. Right. After you call me, you two are to go right to the DA's office and wait there for us. No more going places on your own. Is that understood? Oh, sure. And how? I don't want to meet those guys again. Especially at night. All right, then. Everything's set for tonight. If all goes well, we'll have those hate peddlers and murderers behind bars by morning. What will happen at the lunch wagon tonight? As we continue now, it is evening. Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, trying not to betray their nervousness, are sitting at the counter in Pete's lunch wagon across the street from Metropolis High School. There are no other customers, and the proprietor, a stout, bald-headed man, is polishing a coffee urn at the far end of the counter. After eight, Jim, why doesn't that guy phone? Relax, Jack. He'll call. Jim, look. Holy smokes. It's that guy. Joe, what's he doing here? I thought he was going to call us. boy. Hiya. I thought you were going to call us. We decided to come down and pick you up ourselves. Better for it. Let's go. Go? Where? I'm going to give you a chance to get back at those dirty little foreigners who threw the basketball game last night. Oh, well... Come on, we're in a hurry. But, uh, but you were supposed to call us up. You heard him. We changed our minds. Gee whiz, Jim, what do we do? Come on, come on. What are you stalling for? Oh, we, we're not stalling. It's just... Go ahead. Start walking out to that car. Go on. <laughs> Faces pale, Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson walk to the door of the diner on rubbery legs. Their eyes casting desperate appeal at the lunch wagon proprietor who, unconcerned, pays no attention to them. Jim's plan to trap the agitators and murderers has backfired. Now the boys themselves are trapped. What will happen now is Clark Kent and the district attorney wait tensely for a phone call from Jimmy and Jack. A phone call which now cannot be made. Whatever you do, gang, don't miss Monday's thrilling episode when the new plot against American boys and girls planned by the intolerant knights of the White Carnation is further unfolded. Monday's episode is packed with chills and thrills, so be sure to tune in. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P.
the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. worries about not hearing from Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, the young boys, completely enmeshed in the hate-mongering plot, face immediate peril of their very lives. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, did you ever check up and see whether the fellas or the girls in your crowd have collected the most different comic buttons from that exciting new series that now come in packages of Kellogg's Pet? Well, from what I've seen, both fellas and girls are mighty busy with their collections. And no wonder why it's a heap of fun to get a brand new button whenever Mom opens a new package of Pet. Maybe it'll be Vitamin Flintheart, or a Pat Patton, or Superman himself. And say, if it's a duplicate, well, that's even more fun because then you can swap with one of your pals. And you know what the best part is? These 18 pep comic buttons are so easy to get. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But every time Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pep, there's your slick-looking comic button inside. And say, Pep gives you something else, too, a super delicious dish for breakfast. Yes, sir, Pep is called the Sunshine Cereal. It's loaded with catchy sunshine flavor, golden toasted and good. And Pep is on the beam with sunshine vitamin D, too. That good old vitamin that helps build strong bones and teeth. And energy vitamin B1. Yes, sir, Kellogg's Pep is sure a prize package any way you look at it. That's P-E-P, the sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now the adventures of Superman. As you remember, agents for the hate-mongering Knights of the White Carnation beat up two star players of the Metropolis High School basketball team before a championship game. And then, when Metropolis lost, a professional gambler falsely testified that he had bribed the boys to throw the game. The next morning at school, the same group precipitated a riot against the accused players. But Cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, captain of the team, trailed the agitators. Pretending to agree with their hate-smearing tactics, Jim and Jack offered to help the bigots and were told to be at a certain lunch wagon that evening when they would receive further instructions by telephone. After contacting Clark Kent, the two boys went to the lunch wagon. But to their dismay, the agents appeared in person and ordered them into a car. As we continue now, we find Kent in the office of District Attorney Frank Agnew. Listen. Past date, Mr. Agnew. We should have heard from the boys by now. Thanks, Kent. They said they'd call us as soon as this agitator phoned them, didn't they? Yes, but he was supposed to ring them at 8 o'clock. Well, apparently he hasn't done so yet. It's my hunch he won't. Why not? Well, I don't know exactly. Look, Kent, do you really think there's a hate gang involved in this mess? I certainly do. I believe they framed the two basketball players and murdered Charles Canfield, the millionaire, to keep him from exposing their subversive un-American activities. Well, if you're right, those fellows are very clever, because they fooled me and they fooled Inspector Henderson and the whole police department. They are clever. Oh, why doesn't Jim call? Relax, will you, Kent? It's only 8-12. How can I relax when I know that those hate peddlers are more dangerous than rattlesnakes? I know, but the boys are in no great danger. I'm sure of that. Well, I'll wait just a few minutes more. If we don't hear from Jim by then, I'm going out to that lunch wagon. anxiously paces the floor of the district attorney's office. A small black sedan carrying Jimmy Olsen, Jack Wilson, and the two agents for the Knights of the White Carnation has traveled across the city and come to a stop in a dark alley behind the huge, unlighted bulk of Metropolis's Benjamin Franklin High School. Commanded by the thin, pasty-faced man called Joe, the two boys leave the car and walk up the alley beside him, while the other man remains at the wheel. Okay, hold it, kids. Here we are. This is the Ben Franklin High School. Yeah, I know. What are we doing here? Not so loud, Wilson. Now, here's what I want you to do. 
Each of you take a bunch of these handbills. Here. Huh? Well, what are these? I told you, handbills. Like the ones I passed out of Metropolis High this morning. Oh. These are gummed on the back, see? And I want you boys to paste them up in the halls on the students' lockers. Every place where all the kids can see them when they come to school tomorrow. You, you mean inside the school? That's right, Jim. Uh-oh. But, but what's the idea? Just this. To get the real American kids sore at the foreigner kids so that they'll get to fighting each other, see? Jeepers. Then maybe I can work, work up a good riot here tomorrow like I did at your school this morning. But gee whiz. Uh, but what, Wilson? Oh, nothing. Look. Don't you want to see the dirty little foreigners get kicked around and maybe get so scared they'll quit school? I... I... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, shut sure. up, Jim. Well, what, Wilson? You getting chicken-hearted? No, no, Or were I... you trying to put something over when you said you wanted to play ball with now, us? Now, wait. Don't get us wrong, uh, Joe. It's just that you told us we were going to get back at the guys on our basketball team for throwing the championship game, see? So this... Yeah, that's it. This... This isn't exactly what we were expecting to do. I see. It doesn't hit right at those foreign kids on our team. Sure it does. These handbills tell how Pulaski and Rizzuti and Kaplan and Kelly threw the game. And they show that no foreigners can be trusted, you get? Oh, yeah, sure, but just the same... see, we want to get all the kids in Metropolis so sore they'll turn on every kid with a name like Pulaski or Rizzuti or Kaplan or Kelly. Then when that happens, your basketball players will be run out of school. Or worse. Jeepers. Yeah, I get it, all right. Okay, now, as soon as I get this handkerchief wrapped around my hand, I'll break a window and let you into the school. Yeah, all set now. Here it goes. Jim, what'll we do? I don't know yet, Jack. Keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we should run for it. No, we wouldn't have a chance. But we can't go through with this. No, but we got to make it look like we are. But, Jim... Okay, come here, kids, and hurry. Now, here's a flashlight. Now, climb inside and start pasting up those handbills. Look, Joe, suppose somebody hears us. There's nobody in the place to hear you. But, but what if somebody shows up? At night, now. But if anybody does, I'll be right out here with Fargo. We'll take care of any nosy guys. Go on, I'll get going. Well, okay. Come on, Jack. Yeah. All right, Jim. Remember... Do a good job, or you'll be a couple of sorry kids. I don't like the way he said that, Jack. Neither do I. Boy, are we in a spot. If only he'd phoned us at the lunch wagon like he said he would, so we'd have had a chance to call Mr. Ken. Maybe he figured we might do something like that so he wasn't taking any chances. Yeah, maybe. Look, Jim, you're not figuring to paste up those dirty handbills like he said, are you? Are you kidding? Of course not. Then how do we get out of this mess? I don't know. Yes. I've, I've got to think. Wait. Hey, how about hiding these handles someplace, then going back out after a while and saying we pasted them? Oh, it's too risky. Joe might decide he wants a look at the job. If he sees we double-crossed him, it'll be too bad. Yeah, that's right. Wait, I've got a check. Come on. Huh? Where are you going, Jack? To the principal's office. The principal's office? What for? Well, there must be a phone in there. A phone? Oh, you mean... Uh-huh. We'll call Mr. Ken at the DA's office, tell him where we are, and then we'll get busy stopping up these handbills until he and the police get out here. We can tear them down later. Boy, that's a swell idea. Wait. What are you stopping for? First, we've got to find the principal's office. Where'll I throw the ladder around? There it is. Right across the corridor. Yeah. Come on. Only this works. It's got to. Yeah. It's our only chance to trap those hate murderers. Here we are. Oh, gosh. I just thought of something. What? What if this door is locked? Oh, brother. Well, it's only one way to find out. 
fingers crossed, but hard. Their hearts beating rapidly, Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson hurry to the telephone on the principal's desk to call Clark Kent. Will their plan work? In the principal's dark office in Benjamin Franklin High School, Jack Wilson, his hand shaking with excitement, is holding the flashlight as Jimmy Olsen dials the number of the district attorney to summon Clark Kent and the police. Keepers, hurry up, Jim. Give me a chance. I've got a dial, don't I? Yeah, but... There. They're ringing. Put no. that phone down, you little rat. Who said that? Huh? Put that phone down, I said. Holy oh, smokes, it's Joe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, hey, careful with that knife. You dirty little double crosses. I ought to cut your hearts out right now. Who, us? Ooh, Look, Joe, we were only going to... Yeah, yeah, I see what's going on. You were only going to turn me into the cops, weren't you? You see, Joey. Lying won't help you now. Nothing will. What? What do you mean? Did you think I was so dumb I'd just take your word that you were on my side? No, this was a test. See, I was checking up on you. But now wait. What? You're all through talking and all through everything else. Turn around and walk back out to the alley. Go on, walk. And fast. Small eyes filled with hate, Joe, the tall, thin hate mugger. Menaces Jim Wilson and Jack Wilson with a long knife as he forces them to turn and walk back to the dark alley. Meanwhile, alarmed at the failure of the boys to call him from the lunch wagon, Clark Kent has reached there as Superman. As we join him now, he is questioning the stout, bald-headed proprietor, Pete. Superman called for the boys. That, that's right, Superman. Then they all went in a car. I, I didn't know there was anything wrong. What kind of a car? Well, I, I didn't notice, except it was a dark sedan. Did you say one of the men was tall and thin, pasty-faced? Yeah, that, that's right. It was Joe, the man described by Coach Reed and Jack Wilson. How's that, Superman? Never mind. I've got to find those boys before something serious happens to them. Thanks, Pete, and good night. Up and away! <laughs> Leaping high from the little lunch wagon, Superman streaks away through the night skies to begin a desperate search for Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson. What is Joe agent for the evil mites of what carnation planning for the two boys? And how will Superman find them in time? For all the answers, don't miss tomorrow's thrill-packed episode, fellows and girls. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents the adventures of Superman. While Clark Kent anxiously faces the DA's office, certain that Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson have stumbled into some great danger, the boys are helpless prisoners of the murderous Vincent Kirby, bigoted leader of the Knights of the White Carnation. (laughs) 
Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, it's something like a picture gallery, a collection of those comic buttons in that new series from Packages of Kellogg's Pet. Because every one of those 18 characters is really famous. Take uh, Vitamin Flintheart, for instance. You've followed his adventures for years and years. And Brenda Starr. Everybody knows how pretty she is. And Superman himself. And all the wonderful things he does. So it's a real thrill to wear those comic buttons pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap. Not to mention that they're so keen-looking and bright. And it's a load of fun to swap duplicates with your pals. And it's fun to get a new comic button every time Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pet. That's the only way you can get these prizes, you know. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. But you get a comic button in each package of Kellogg's Pep you open. That's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Pep, the golden toasted whole wheat flakes with a catchy sunshine flavor. Pep, the crisp, fresh breakfast cereal that's so good for you with its added energy vitamin B1 and sunshine vitamin D. Yes, sir, gang. Mom's mighty glad to have you eat lots of P-E-P. The sunshine cereal, Kellogg's Pep. And now, the adventures of Superman. In a malicious attempt to spread intolerance among Metropolis youngsters, the hate-mongering knights of the White Carnation manufactured evidence that led to the arrest of two high school athletes on the charge of throwing a basketball game. Then, when Cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson, captain of the team, stumbled on the trail of an agent for the hate organization, they offered to work for him in order to obtain evidence against the bigots. That night, the agent, known to them only as Joe, took them to another high school, where he ordered them to break in and paste up vicious, race-smearing handbills. Making their way into the principal's office, Jimmy and Jack were about to phone Clark Kent when Joe entered and caught them. As we continue a short time later, Vincent Kirby, wealthy and aristocratic leader of the Knights of the White Carnation, answers the phone in his library. Listen. Hello? Mr. Kirby? Yes? Is it Joe, Joe McMillan? McMillan, didn't I tell you never to call me at my home? Yeah, but this is important. Well, it'd better be. Oh, what is it? You know those two kids I told you about? The ones who followed me today and said they wanted to work with us? Yes. Well, I found out they're spies. Spies? Yeah. One of them who said his name was Jim Adams isn't a high school kid at all. His real name is Jim Olson, and he's a newspaper reporter. A reporter? Are you sure? Positive. What's more, I caught the little punk just as he was calling up the district attorney. Good heavens, did he convict him? Don't worry, I stopped him before he could shoot his mouth. Good. Where are these boys now? I got them in my place, and I thought before I do anything, I'd better check with you. All right. Stay where you are. I'll be right out. Okay, Mr. Kirby. So long. Here's one of Mr. K- uh, Mr. K. Uh, which one is this, Joe? This is Jim Olson, a reporter for the Daily Planet. How do you know? He had his wallet on it with his identification and press card. Well, who are you? What's the idea of wearing a mask? You afraid I'll run I'll ask the questions. Now, what did you pose as a high school student and say your name was Adams? What are you trying to find out? As if you didn't know. Answer me. My answer is you better let Jack and me go. I... Oh, let go of my arm. Talk fast. I'm answering her oh. questions. Get her up. Break your oh, arm. Oh, let go. Ow. Well, old son. You gonna talk? <laughs> Dirty cowards. If I was just a little bigger. Never mind. Talk. Okay, okay. Let go. I just as well know where I know what you're up to. Really? This should be interesting. Go on, Olson. Tell us what made you stick your foolish young neck out. Well, I used to go to Metropolis High School. Cass Pulaski and Tony Rizzuti, the two boys who were arrested for throwing the championship basketball game the other night, are friends of mine. Oh, they are, right? All right, Joe. Come on, Olson. I was sure they didn't throw the game. And the gambler who testified he bribed them was lying. I couldn't figure out why he was framing Tony and Cass. Until this morning. Oh? And what did you discover this morning, Olson? When I found out that your boy Joe here was around the school passing out pamphlets that smeared Tony and Cass and... 
generally stirring up the students against all others who happen to have foreign-sounding names, I knew then what was cooking. Yeah, you did, huh? Yeah, because I've seen hate mongers work before. When I told Mr. Kent, I mean, another Planet reporter about it, we figured out right away that some dirty hate mongers had framed Cass and Tony in order to spread race prejudice among the school kids. Indeed. You're a real bright boy, ain't you? Well, wait, Joe. So you and Mr. Clark Kent figured all this out, huh? I presume you mean Clark Kent. Huh? Oh, no, wait. I didn't say anything. I know. And I'm reasonably sure you were referring to Mr. Kent because he's made a nuisance of himself before. No, wait. Mr. Kent didn't have anything to do with this, I tell you. It was all my idea. Yeah, we'll get to him later. Put Olsen back in the other room with the Wilson boy, Joe. Tell Fargo to watch them. And come back here. Okay. Come on. No, wait. What's the idea of keeping Jack and me here? What are you going to do to us? You'll find out, you dirty little spy. Now, go on. Get going. But, but, now, wait a Shut minute. Shut up and get in there. Why, you dirty... Take dirty. care of this rat, Fargo. Oh, Joe. Say, this isn't so good, Mr. Kirby. This Olsen kid and that Kent guy have got our play all figured out. Relax. There's nothing to worry about as long as they don't know who's behind it. But they may have other spying on us. This Kent sounds like a smart apple. Yes, he's very clever. Too clever, as a matter of fact, because from something he said to Mr. Mortimer, the chairman of the school board, he even suspects that we murdered Charles Canfield. Holy smokes. Now, don't get excited. He can't ever prove it. But how can he even suspect? Listen, we've got to take care of that guy in a hurry. I don't want to go to the chair. Don't get excited, I said. We'll take care of everything and everybody in due time. Yeah, yeah, now, but... Fortunately, we got Olsen and the Wilson boy before they could do any harm, and we're going to make use of them. Very good use of them. What do you mean? You'll see. First, I'm going to call up Clark Kent. Kent, what are you calling him for? For a very good reason, Joe. But you don't... Be quiet a minute. Is Clark Kent there, please? I wonder if you could tell me where to locate him. It's quite important. Did you say the district attorney's office? The district attorney. Oh, very well. I'll try him there. Thank you. Good night. Listen, Mr. Curtin. Uh, hand want... me the phone book, please, Joe. Oh, wait a minute. I said hand me the phone book, please. I want to look up the district attorney's number. Kent is there with him. Will you please tell me why I want to talk to Kent when right now that guy is dynamite? I'll explain everything later. Hand me the phone book. I'm worried about Jim Olson and the Wilson boy, Mr. Agnew. Why, Kent? Well, because I'm afraid that man Joe is suspicious of the boys, which is why he called for them personally instead of phoning them as he said he would. Now, look, Kent, according to Olson's story, Joe said he had a job for them, didn't he? Uh, yes, but... Well, when they've done the job, whatever it is, then we'll hear from them. Now, that worries me, too. What if he's... Wait a Here's my phone. District Attorney's Office, Agnew speaking. Hello, is Clark Kent there, please? Yes, just a minute. For you, Kent. For me? No. Here. Thanks. Clark Kent speaking. Uh, Mr. Kent, my name is Davis. Yes, Mr. Davis? Uh, Two boys were just at my store. They wanted to use the telephone, but both booths were occupied. Oh? Uh, Then one of them said his name was Jim Olson. Jim Olson? What about Jim Kent, Mr. Agnew? Uh, Olson said that he and his friend were in a great hurry and asked me to do him a big favor. Yes, Mr. Davis, go on. Well, he asked if I would call you at the district attorney's office and tell you that he and Jack were all right. Oh? And not to worry if you didn't hear from them tonight. Uh, that they had a hot lead on the basketball frame-up and were following him. What? Listen, Mr. Davis, where are you looking? Oh, yes. They also asked if uh, you would phone them others and tell them not to worry. I, I think that's all. Good night. Uh, wait a minute. Where's your store, Mr. Davis? Uh, hello. Hello, Mr. Davis. Hello. Hello. What is it, Kent? Hello. Oh, he hung up. Will you please tell me who that was? And what about Jim and Jack Wilson? There's a fellow named Davis who said Jim and Jack had just been in his store, and since both phone booths were occupied, Jim left after asking him to call me here and tell us not to worry. Hmm? That he and Jack were following up a hot lead on the basketball frame-up. Oh, where is this fellow Davis? That's what I was trying to find out, but he hung up without answering. Probably in a hurry. 
Well, Camp, anyhow, it's a relief to know the boys were apparently okay, isn't it? Not too sure they're okay, Mr. Agnew. But this fellow just said so. Yes, but there was something phony about that call. Phony? What do you mean? Well, Jim wouldn't go off on his own again that way after I gave him strict orders not to. And my hunch says that he and Jack Wilson are in trouble. Real serious trouble. Uneasy, Clark Kent frets. A sixth sense telling him that his young friends are in trouble. And as we know, they are. Why did Kirby make that call to Kent? As our story continues, we return to Joe McMillan's apartment, where Vincent Kirby has just replaced the telephone after speaking to Clark Kent. His eyes wide in shocked amazement, McMillan recovers his voice and turns to Kirby. Look, Mr. what was the idea of that call to Kent? Why did you say you were somebody named Davis and Austin and Wilson were okay? Simple, Joe. I did that because I don't want Kent or the police looking for the boys, yet. Oh, I get it. I want them to think they're all right. Until they find them. What do you mean, until they find them? You see, Joe, I have a very special use for those two boys. Yeah? Like what? Well, but in the next 24 hours, you're going to see hate sweep through Metropolis. Red-hot, murderous hate directed against all people of foreign ancestry in this city. Well... Yes, Joe. This is the moment the Knights of the White Carnation have been waiting for. His cold, aristocratic face reflecting maniacal cruelty. Vincent Kirby, leader of the un-American Knights of the White Carnation, contemplates with evil pleasure the wave of falsely inspired hatred, which he plans to make run like red fire through Metropolis within the next 24 hours. What is the murderous Kirby's plan? Now will Superman, who only suspects that Jimmy Olsen and Jack Wilson are in danger, find and save them and prevent the hate mongers from starting a race riot based, as always, on a pyramid of lies. Tomorrow's episode is packed with thrills and suspenseful excitement, gang. So don't miss a minute of it. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in the Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!